0: This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Welcome to the Pixel People podcast, where we go beyond the quest lines to discover the backstories and motivations of our favorite video game NPCs to better understand them and ourselves. I'm Amelia, also known as Rider, and each episode I'm chatting with a special guest about a character they find particularly interesting. Since we're taking a close look at how these characters impact the story, please be aware that spoilers are likely. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome to Pixel People! I'm Amelia, aka Rider, and my guest today enjoys modding and discovering advanced information in video games, which... I've personally found quite helpful since I can benefit from all of his wonderful knowledge. <laughs> and he loves reading fantasy novels and playing games, especially finding new ones in specific niches. He's also into finding his way down rabbit holes into YouTube mysteries, unsolved crimes, and ARG games. Deadshot. Welcome to Pixel People. Hi. Hello. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm so glad you're here. Uh, tell me who you've brought to talk about
1: uh i brought josh Sakra. i think is how you say his second name i'm not too sure he's known as the hot sauce hacker of the dead set group from watchdogs 2
0: okay and so watchdogs is not a series that i've played so i'm gonna be kind of relying on you a little bit to be the expert here <laughs> and kind of lead us through <laughs> it a little bit so for other people like me who are not as familiar with with this series. Um, Can you tell me kind of a little bit about the plot? And you don't have to worry about spoilers or anything. As I've said before, if people are listening to a podcast about video game characters and are worried about spoilers, they're probably in the wrong place. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, just kind of a real quick kind of overview of the game and where Josh or Hot Sauce fits into this game.
1: So, The main premise of the Watch Dogs world is that technology is run by corporations. So there's a, in Watch Dogs 2 specifically, there's a corporation called Bloom. In Watch Dogs 1, it's CTOS. And then in Watch Dogs 3, or Legion, the new one, it is a different system that I'm not too familiar with because I'm only playing through it currently. Uh, okay. But in Watchdogs Two, it's companies using data that they are extracting from your devices, not only your phones, but like they can control your cars. They can. There are health companies that bill you based on if you've ordered food this week. Kind of a dystopian <laughs> universe. And you say dystopian
0: they... universe. That sounds like. Uh...
1: Kind it's of what very we got modern, going on yeah. right
0: now. <laughs> like, well, that sounds a
1: little it's, familiar. <laughs> it's set in uh, San Francisco, which is kind of interesting because there's the whole Silicon Valley in modern times that is seen as mm-hmm. the tech industry. So sure. everything runs through Silicon Valley. This game is set in Silicon Valley. Um, interesting. And DedSec is in this game. They are not a fully formed group. They are similar to Anonymous. People join and Mm -hmm. it's full of hackers. But there's one group and it's the group you play as. You play as Marcus, a mobile hacker, as they're called. Mm -hmm. He's not your run-of-the-mill, stay-at-home type of hacker. He hacks from his phone, he brings a laptop with him and he's known for infiltration and exploitation of exploits and each member of the dead set community that you are a part of Mm -hmm. has a specialization so you have satara who's artsy and a coding genius you have horatio who later in the game passes during a mission but he's your information wheel if you want to know about people breaking into a game which is the online aspect of it or what other hacktivists are doing, he's your man. You have Wrench, who is a person who wears a mask all the time and is known for blowing stuff up. They thought he was a cop at first, and then he made a pipe bomb, and then they realized he's just too crazy to be a cop. And then you have Josh, the person who I want to talk about. Yeah. Josh has Asperger's syndrome which is a form of higher functioning autism that I possess and it is often seen as or portrayed as in TV shows and movies as uh, the sociopathic disorder, which is like people are super smart with it and are geniuses, but they just lack empathy and lack understanding, which isn't completely true. right? um and josh is I think a, a good race. I think
0: a good example of that that a lot of people will like recognize is uh Sheldon on Big Bang Theory. I think he's um I don't know if you've watched that at all. Yeah. Um I yeah, th- I think that's kind of the the stereotype. Yeah, of somebody um, with um that particular uh presentation of autism, I guess is a good way to put it.
1: Another very good one that I've seen people use is Reed from uh criminal minds he's like a super that. okay he's like the super <clears throat> genius of the group and
0: mm, yeah
1: from personal experience with like my interest in crime shows and drama shows and whatnot autism mm-hmm. is seen in two ways either it's this superhuman ability where people with autism mm-hmm. are like super amazing and can do everything or it's people who are babying people with autism. Mm, and kind of seeing yes. them as, oh, but you've autism, you can't do much, which is seen a lot in our society today. Yes, Josh is a absolutely. good example of it in game. Okay. You learn Horatio around the hacker space. There are multiple hacker spaces around the game. and As you unlock further into the game, you unlock more. But the first one that you go into... Horatio left audio files around every single area, and each person has an audio file. Mm. Now, in this universe, every person from the time they are born to the time that they die is monitored, and they have what's mm-hmm. known as a CTOS profile. Josh's CTOS profile is quite interesting, in my opinion. On his profile, he has been flagged as emotionally unstable and has been given a low mental maturity score. He also, which is kinda a really bad thing in my opinion, but a good example of how the game portrays it, he was rejected for multiple care programs Uh, Rejected for multiple system programs that could help him. Mm -hmm. Thrown into foster care and abused by a system in a cycle that ultimately led him into an area where he was not good. So he started hacking. He's a coding genius. He is known to be able to break almost any system on the planet. But for such a high adaptability with coding, he lacks a lot of social skills. Mm -hmm. He was found by the DeadSec group, um, specifically Horatio, he was found posting on Invite, which is the in-game browser kind of like Google posting videos on that it's like a message sharing platform social thing all in all and he had been using a really cheap dollar store mask that they could see his eyes through and you know like really make out who he was without actually seeing his face and sitara the artsy kind of parkourist found him his speech pattern. Because a mm. thing with autistic people, um, our brains do not process the same as a neurotypical person, which is someone who doesn't have a condition of neurodivergency, which is ADHD, autism, and a few other conditions.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, a lot of autistic people, whether they are high functioning autism or low functioning autism, have a recognizable speech pattern that they develop over years
0: that's referred to as prosody i believe is that
1: i think so i've heard that, the term think, before yeah
0: i think that's what it's that you you can you can identify that and and i think you can also like kind of because uh, the, the in the work i do uh i work with a lot of speech language pathologists and um that's something that comes up you know um SLPs work with uh, people with autism and uh, a lot of information for the SLPs who work for those people is centered around like uh, working with them on their prosody to have, help them have a more, uh, I don't, normal is not the right word. That's a terrible word. Um, a more common... So sh- I socialized
1: guess. socialized thank you that's a perfect I've...
0: word socialized is perfect a more socialized speech pattern um i was
1: uh bullied for many years over my old speech thing uh mainly talking mm-hmm. too fast which
0: mm-hmm.
1: being mm-hmm. irish and having autism and adhd i learned to speak pretty fast and i slow my speech down naturally now to about 60 percent of what i used to talk to but yeah. I also do a thing called vocal mimicking, which mm, a lot yep. of autistic people do. yeah. And it's yeah. why... Now I project a lot of, like, my Irish accent and whatnot. But if you talk to any Irish person, I don't have an accent. And I'm, what my mother would say, Americanized. Because of the... Oh, colloquialism ...terms I use and whatnot. Uh-huh. Like, uh, over here... We call them petrol stations, but I'll call them a gas station and stuff like that. Okay,
0: Um, yeah, yeah.
1: And that's just from hanging out with Americans uh, and whatnot for so long. (laughs) But I know I know
0: plenty of Americans who hang out with people from the UK and have picked it up in the other direction.
1: Yeah. (laughs) But even like I remember, I've been talking to. American friends in the past when I used to try and hide my Irish accent a lot and then I'd switch over to British people and they'd be like, oh, are you from Boston or something? You sound like American Irish and I'm like, oh no, I'm <laughs> Irish, but I've just been hanging around these people and then I'd pick up like a British accent and whatnot. And That's it's really uh, it's a defense mechanism that a lot of autistic people yeah. learn.
0: Yeah. That makes a lot of sense so i know i know that we've talked about it before um one of my kids uh has autism um i i think that it seems to present in a way very similar to how yours does and when i was reading up on the character you know because i haven't played the game i was you know reading through the wiki and and uh, one of the things on there was the file that you're talking about And it was really interesting to read that because it felt very familiar to me um, just, you know, in my experiences uh, with my kid. And um, like it it talks about how he has a black and white way of seeing things, fair and unfair. And I I love what they said after this. It says, which means he can be refreshing and often hilarious. And I kind of love that because, um, you know um my kiddo also has a very black and white way of saying things and that's something you know that i kind of have to adjust to and remember when i'm talking to him because um you know he's he's older now but when he was younger uh we misunderstood each other a lot um because i'd use like a um you know a, 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 some slang or 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 uh yeah yeah or, you know or i'll be sarcastic or ironic or something like that and it just you know right over his head and um you know so i had to be more careful you know like i couldn't tell him yeah we'll be leaving in just a second
1: because i'm that... i'm like that a lot of <laughs> uh, my partner <laughs> that, that's
0: a really good way for me to set up you know <laughs> are we leaving yet are we leaving yet are we leaving yet <laughs> I was like no, no
1: my uh my partner currently <laughs> has a mm-hmm. tendency to, when they're like, playfully joking with me, tell me to fuck off or something, or... Oh no! Like, they'll jokingly, like, tell me to shut the fuck up when I'm like, flirting with them or something. And I have to kind of keep reminding myself, like, they don't mean literally.
0: Yes. They don't mean yes. literally.
1: I I do it a lot yeah. as well. Cause, yeah. As you know from my out with me, I'm a very, like, sarcastic, joking individual. But I wasn't always like that. I used to take yeah. things quite literally. And yeah. it, it's difficult to learn otherwise. Because I'm constantly fighting instincts of when someone tells me something that I know in my brain from processing to be sarcasm. There's another side of my brain that's just going, no, they mean literally. Yeah. And it's... Difficult to differentiate.
0: Definitely, definitely. Yeah, and I mean, it. it I mean, from my perspective, because because you know, I I saw him, and and he's to a point now where I mean, he's probably one of the most excuse me, most sarcastic people on the planet at this point. Um, <laughs> but he and he also has a fantastic sense of humor. So I I loved that they said you know that he could be refreshing and hilarious because that totally describes my kiddo. You know, I mean, he is hilarious. As, as I watch him um, you know over the years learning and and adapting it reminds me almost of learning another language um and when, what you're describing with somebody says something and it's like you have to have that moment of translation it sounds like you know and, and as as somebody who has learned another language that's that's kind of you know I'm yeah I, I don't I don't have autism I don't know what that feels like. But I do know what it feels like to hear something in another language and have to take a moment, because I'm not fluent, to process it and change it into English, you know, and and even then, even then, it's never a perfect translation, is it? No. You know, there, there's nuance in a language that somebody who's just learning it is going to miss. And I, I think that... I mean, you can confirm. Is that a a reasonable analogy? It is.
1: Another kind of simpler analogy would be computer code. Um, Mm, A computer can only think in one format. You tell it what to do. It outputs a string of commands. You can't, like, put slang into a computer and expect it to come out. Um, One of the coping mechanisms that I learned around that was swearing a lot. Which I used to do a lot more. I've toned back a lot, but as you know, it's still quite bad. Um, <laughs> you've you've talked to
0: me. I I, I yeah. don't even have that as a coping coping mechanism. but just sort of open my mouth, and that's what comes out.
1: <laughs> one of the things that I had to learn quite early on, especially in school, is I can't be blunt with someone. Especially Mm. if they don't understand my form that my autism takes. I've talked to people in the past and they've mentioned something to me. And no filter or anything is the best way to describe it. I've just gone, well, do it. Or, well, this is the way that I do it. And a lot of people see that as rude or bad it's like oh yeah. well why are you trying to tell me that like that's just bad I me mean, my brain it's literally well that's the best option it's not like i process right. yeah and uh, yeah I-
0: that's uh that that's something that and and today even like you know after all that's something that's still a major challenge for him and there's a lot of times where the conversation you know he'll say something and it's like, I have to take just a moment and be like, I need to do a tone check with you really quick because right now it kind of sounds like you're mad at me and I, I need to know if you are, uh, you know, and if you're not, can we, can we adjust the tone a little bit because, uh, you know, I'll take the time to check with you, but other people won't.
1: So. Yeah. I'm doing that with my partner a lot, especially yeah, yeah. even just me doing it to them. It's like, you seem mad at me, but mm-hmm. is it me or are you just like mad in general? And it's Fine. something Fine. that I used to never be able to do when I was younger. I used to just take it, oh, everyone's mad at you, and just take it as like a blunt hit. Um yeah.
0: And that's, I mean, that's something I had to learn too, because, you know, I, I think. One of the things that's so difficult is, and, and, you know, we've kind of, we've kind of, uh, circled around it a little bit and what we're talking about right now is that there's very much an expectation and I think an unfair expectation that people with autism or other, you know, uh, neurodivergences will adapt themselves to match society, which I, th- which I think is unfair. Um, I think that's a lot, that's a lot to put on, um, people, quite honestly, um, And I think that we don't talk often enough as a society about what we can do to adapt ourselves to be more welcoming to people with these differences. And that's something that I had to learn, you know, because, you know, when he was growing up and, and up until then, I just, I didn't have much experience with people with autism. And, you know, maybe I did and I didn't know it, which is probably the more accurate, um, uh, situation there. But I, I had to learn, you know, when he was doing something repetitive, or um, talking nonstop about Greek mythology, or, uh, or saying things that sounded very mean to my ears. I had to learn not to take things personally. I had to learn to listen for these things. Um, and I had to learn to not get mad. Um, and to have those, uh, that, that understanding, you know, that he was processing things in a different way than I was. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's, there was a lot of learning on my end too. Hey guys, as you know, I'm part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, and I wanted to take a moment to introduce you to a couple of other great Rocket Club shows you'll want to check out.
1: Greetings, members. We welcome you to our little Enclave. We have opened our archives to tell the story of the new Enclave in Appalachia. Follow our cast of former Vault 76 residents as they struggle to rebuild what had been lost. Join us here on the Modus Files. We can be found on any Enclave-sanctioned network, including Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and more. And may you, dear listener, survive and thrive as our little enclave has.
0: Long gone are the days where people sing about West Virginia as almost heaven. After nuclear war and disease, it's far from heaven now. Far From Heaven, a Fallout 76 story podcast is a tale of survival, conflict and hope set in the Fallout 76 game world. Join our survivors on their journey to reach that almost heaven once more. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon and many other great podcasting apps. Far From Heaven, a Fallout 76 story, available now
1: um one of the things you mentioned like constantly doing things like uh repetitive or mm-hmm. talking i
0: yeah
1: have learned uh there's a form uh that a lot of autistic children take called masking and it's mm. taking something like a simulation toy uh fidget spinners uh mm-hmm. cubes and whatnot yeah and translating that into something in an everyday tone. So, I do a trick with my fingers where I bounce my hand. It's actually a trick to teach and see do people with neurodivergency. It's one of the kind of beginner tests that they do. And it's where, like, you take your thumb and you bounce it off your pinky to your middle, to your ring, to your index. And you have to do that mm. repetitively multiple times without looking at it while maintaining a conversation with someone. Because um, a neurotypical mind will be constantly focusing on that pattern and getting distracted, whereas a neurodivergent mind will see the pattern already and just do it subconsciously.
0: So, So of course, right right this minute, I'm, of course, trying it because I want to see. (laughs) And yeah, I totally see what you mean. I have to actually think about it to do it. So yeah. I'm going to stop doing it because I want to be able to listen to what you're saying and not focus on with my
1: fingers. Another interesting <laughs> thing with, uh, kind of like on the flip side of it, I've met a lot of uh, neurotypical people who can listen to something and completely write a different thing. So um, we've like a writing I wish uh, I group mm-hmm. and... They can have a conversation and write something completely different, like write a story and just talk to someone. The way my brain processes it is if I'm hearing it, I'm typing it or I'm writing it, Yeah. even if it has nothing relevant to do with the work that I'm doing. So I
0: I do that. I can't listen to music with words while I write because it's too distracting and I will focus on the words and I will type the words. I learn... I learned that about myself a (laughs) long time ago. I do that.
1: (laughs) One of the um, things that I love about Josh as well is his first hack that he done in the game that was showing was called the Home Exploit which is Mm H-U-A-M and it's an inbuilt smart homes that have like these smart robots and whatnot who are like maids and whatnot Mm -hmm. but There was like a local house that was when he was in like foster care and whatnot and he learned that the robots have one major exploit called the home hack and so he spread it he hacked into a bunch of homes networks and spread it and it showed the vulnerability that the company are willing to give out these products with this vulnerability and like the first time you ever boot up watchdogs 2 it tells you like these companies control your lives from monitoring your child with your baby toys to controlling your cars mm. like they have complete autonomous control over your life and a lot of people in modern day hacking spaces are seen as bad people because it's seen as oh you're hacking you're evil when there are so many different forms of hacking there's um white hat hacking gray hat hacking and black hat hacking are the three simplest and white hat hacking is you probably have a set of white hat hackers at your company they're security testers they'll Constantly penetrate the networks and try and find bugs and glitches to secure Mm -hmm. them. We just call it QA,
0: but yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's the kind of stigma behind it as well. A lot of good hacking is seen as, oh, well, that's just security testing. When really it's doing the exact same thing as grey or black hat hackers. uh, Grey hat hackers are usually political. They are usually, like, um, anonymous. They work for the people against governments. Or they work for the people against other people. And black hat hackers are usually, like, the ones that you hear about, like, hacking banks or hacking... You might have heard recently about the cyberpunk hack. Yes. Um, Yes. That would be considered black hat because it's hacking for... A profit in which it only benefits one group. Gotcha. Okay. Um, A lot of information nowadays is actually very commonly available. You you probably get told, or you've been told for ages, anything you post online stays online. Absolutely. But some people don't realize what gets posted online. Every time your phone connects to somewhere... Your oh, information to right. spread. Um, and it's so funny because
0: we, the... we, oh, uh, sorry, I wasn't trying to interrupt yeah. you. I, we touched on some of this um, when we talked about. Um, I, I had an episode on Ada from Outer Worlds where we talked about AI and kind of um, you know what the what the idealized version of it is that we tend to see in games, but what the reality of it is, and. The how uh, the main goal of it, the main use for it right now, is to collect data to sell you stuff. Yeah. So it's like it's it's interesting. It, it, it's interesting to me that uh, you know this is. It sounds like in this game, they've latched onto that um, idea pretty well, and. Would you say that the game is kind of presenting it as sort of a warning?
1: Definitely, yeah. The game is a part of a bigger expanded universe. Mm -hmm. Um, This was only found out when Watch Dogs 2 was released, funnily enough. Um, There's an easter egg in Watch Dogs 2 where you can... So the way you get a lot of your side missions is Mm -hmm. you hack random people's phones. And you can get, like, um, a virus, or you can Mm -hmm. get, like, someone's in town or something. And one of the people is Aiden Pierce. Mm -hmm. And he is the hacker from the first game. And interestingly enough is he does not run with DedSec in the first game. He runs with another hacker called Bad Boy, who's Clara, who... One thing that I love about this games is they show representation of both male and female hackers. Interesting.
0: Because okay. Because
1: you hear about a lot in common media, hackers hide behind a handle. Similar mm-hmm. to how you're Fire Rider online and I'm Deadshot. Yep. Yep. Uh, hackers hide behind a handle. Uh, Josh's handle is hot sauce. Marcus's yeah. handle is retro because of his old school data boosting um, so each one of the hackers in real life has one and there's a group famous a few years ago, you probably heard about it when the PS4 released of the data breach called Lizards when they done that there was a bunch of data released on the hackers who done it mm. and it kind of came out that they weren't releasing all the hackers who'd done it because they were leaving out a bunch of the female hackers that done it. It was
0: interesting
1: like a lot of the male hackers who were getting caught um and being like persecuted for it because what they'd done was illegal and whatnot. They were showing their faces, their home addresses, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I know. That Lizard Gaming, they're called Lizard Gaming now, but I believe they were called Lizards back then. At least in the communities I was in when I first heard about it. I knew they had female hackers because the Mm -hmm. way a lot of hacking groups try and recruit people is through... There is ethical hacking forums online to teach people how to hack in terms of like white hat hacking and whatnot.
0: Sure, yeah.
1: And... A lot of scouts will scour these forums looking for the best hackers, and test them. Either by reverse hacking, which is where they try and hack into your system, and leave a breadcrumb back to see will you actually follow it, yeah. and penetrate their system. Uh, or they'll just simply put out an invitation and go, first one to hack us wins. There's a really good e- Easter egg in Watch Dogs 2 that goes back to the 90s, funnily enough, of the 52 Hertz, which was a CIA kind of... It's never known if it was a real thing, but it's one of the CIA projects that people are like, oh, that definitely happened because it's a CIA thing. But during in <laughs> the 90s when hacking and internet control were massive apparently the cia released a challenge called the 52 hertz and at the end of the challenge was a job at the cia and it was to follow a hertz signal into a hacking booth which is a virtual kind of thing get through it and find the data and it was apparently one of the hardest challenges known to man. Um, Interesting. People have broken through it. Even um, Nintendo, in, I think it was 2010, on their forums released a Hack Me challenge, which was, you could earn a job at Nintendo if you can hack it. And it's really... Int- game? <laughs> well... It was a specifically designed thing, so they gave—I believe it was a virtual machine, which is like running a machine within a machine—of that you just had to like gain. It was like a website code, um, but a lot of stuff like that in game is shown as proper representation. There's a mini game that Marcus does uh, where it's like a connect lines so you'd have like a blue line running across and then you have yeah. to like map uh one of three pieces it's either a straight line an l line or a t joint and just get it to the locked area and there's a few times where i've quite enjoyed it there's a there was a festival in the desert halfway through the game and you hack a massive dinosaur and all your team work on it. It's a massive hacktivist challenge for all the teams and DedSec are shown to be the best team. And you just make the thing explode fire out of its mouth or you take a motherboard to a new shuttle later on in the game and literally hack the planet. They go everywhere. They go China, China, uh, Ireland, hack all the servers and just gain access to everything. Um huh. a lot of that is shown how easy it is in our modern day to do that yeah and um, like NASA doesn't want that information out there or the CIA or FBI don't want that information out there because that's too powerful you know it's like if people could do that they could get government secrets you know if they knew how to do it. And that's why a lot of the deep web stuff that you hear about, like, leaks Mm -hmm. on the deep web... Yeah. ...aren't real. You hear about, like, oh, there was a CIA dump on the deep web if you're running certain circles. A lot of that isn't real because the CIA would stop that before it happened. Because that's something that is, like... ...serious, you know? Yeah. Um there's one point in the actual game with Josh that I think shows how he processes his aspergers and how he processes his condition best and it's in one of the mm-hmm. DLC okay. in in this DLC you're working with uh, a rival hacking group called Primate. and they pop up throughout the game in pieces um, bits and whatnot Um, and one of the things that you see in it is towards the end the dlc is all about biometrics and biotech allowing people with like prosthetic arms and prosthetic legs actual full mobilitized control but it's also Uh about showing people with neurodivergency or sensitivity or tone issues that they could change through rewiring and whatnot. and Josh oh, wow. and Josh at one point says cause is the main character says that's fu-. he goes like that's fucked why would anyone go through that mm. and Josh goes he just kind of says and this is what really kind of hit it for me and kind of made me realise this is why I love this game Uh, Josh went that he didn't ask for his autism. Mm -hmm. He didn't want to be autistic. He didn't want to go through the struggles with it every day. But it's his. And it's not a superpower. It's not a gift. I've seen tons of people online, influencers and stuff, go, oh, you have the gift of autism or you have the gift of ADHD. Use it it's not that that is much such
0: ridiculous. a common I Oh, I'm sorry. I'm having a moment over here because <laughs> <laughs> this is stuff that I heard so much. Try not to fall apart. This is, stuff... <laughs> this is stuff I heard so much when he was growing up, you know, and it was, it was so frustrating because, um, I'm sure it's, it's very frustrating from his perspective too, because there's this there's this push and pull between quote unquote fixing it, which I I cringe to say that, and 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 it, you know what am I trying to say, and um embracing it, you know, and 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 you know and, and what you're saying about you know it's a gift da 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 da, but it's like both of those aspects are problematic in different ways. And I was h- constantly being hammered from both sides with both both of these ideas. And it, you know, and and again, keeping in mind that I'm not speaking as someone who has autism. I'm speaking as someone who raised a child with autism. And, you know, I'm very aware of the differences there, but, um, the people who were saying embrace it didn't see the hard stuff, you know, and didn't see how difficult his life was, is, and all the things that he's had to struggle with and all the stuff that he's had to learn that comes naturally for anybody else and it's like to see all of that and to speaking as a parent it's so so hard to see your kids struggle and not be able to do anything about it on the other hand the idea of fixing it implies that he's broken and that's not fair either this is just who he is, you know, and I don't want to, I want his life to be easier, but I don't want to fundamentally change who he is, you know what I mean? And that's such a, it's so hard when two opposing things are true at the same time to try to tease out those Ideas and um, find some way to live with both of them in a way that he can have a happy and good life in, in a world that is not made for him and in a world that won't take the time. To understand what he needs or to respect what he needs
1: um, yeah you know. another thing that um I've seen t- uh, so often being on a lot of social medias is a lot of people who say it's a gift of autism and stuff like that. Are talking about a higher functioning yes. children who can hundred
0: percent, hundred percent.
1: Because I didn't. I grew. Up, I grew up in a small town, and um, when I say small, like two thousand people at max. Mm-hmm. The first autistic child that I met that I could kind of look at and go, "Yeah, they're autistic." was a friend of my mother's son and he was on the lower end of the spectrum yeah and he struggled a lot with even just communicating but absolutely i had a way of getting through to him whether it just Mm. be talking to him in a different tone or pointing things out or just willing to kind of sit there she, his mother, seen me as a gift, and I was like, oh, go in and sit with him. Oh, he's inside, yeah. go in and sit with him and calm him down. He's having a meltdown, go in and calm him down.
0: Yeah.
1: And to me, that felt very much like, a. oh, well, I'm here, you just want me to do it. Like, it doesn't... Yes. It's not something that I can just turn on, you know? Right. And That,
0: that seems so unfair to it, ask that of you and to expect that of you.
1: It's the same with the schooling over here. I went to a social studies group for uh, about 12 years straight. Mm -hmm. They taught me the same thing every year that I had memorised after the first. And I went to resource hours because on my file it said, like, needed resource hours and whatnot. But I am academically fine Um, in schoolwork and whatnot. I do have intelligence and whatnot. It was, I didn't have the... Draw into certain subjects. Languages are a massive struggle for me, but stuff like science and maths I love. (laughs) Um, Especially like science, the adaptivity of it. We used to do experiments in class with one teacher where he'd actually make it fun. Like, even if we weren't doing an experiment, if we were like learning about plant bodies and whatnot, he'd take a plant from, like, Mario or something, you know, actually try and engage the class. While another teacher done absolutely nothing like that. He done, by the book, nothing apart. And growing up with resource hours and whatnot, I have um, other conditions uh, with development and whatnot. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And it can lead to my motor skills being very poor.
0: Yes,
1: especially this is, this is
0: all very. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I'm like nodding right along <laughs> with you because, yeah, we, we went through like very much the same sort of things. Um, he is so smart. Uh, this is a kid who reads physics books for fun. Yeah,
1: <laughs> we I, have.
0: I, I, I think this is really funny. We have a book floating around the house still that belongs to him and it's called The Manga Guide to Physics. And it's such a. If, if I could encapsulate this kid in one book, it would be this book. It's just, it's like, i Him in a nutshell right there. I, I my, my dad must have found it for him because it was just like, that is his book. It was written for him. But I mean, he'll like read books on physics and then just like write stuff up about it. You know, I mean, he loves this stuff. He's so smart. But oh my God, school <laughs> such a headache um, because they just it's like they would never set him up to succeed he had to fail first before we could get any progress at all and it drove me crazy i mean i don't want to fail over and over and over again why why, nobody wants that why would this be an appropriate way to handle this i yeah okay i'm gonna try not to just like
1: yeah
0: start yelling here (laughs) but (laughs) it drove me crazy um, school is also a challenge, always a challenge. And what you're talking about with like the motor skill stuff is like, you know, he received occupational therapy for a really long time. And I, and I guess these, these things are all really tied together, which is, which is so interesting. And no, I don't know. Nobody seems to have like, at least I never received a clear indication of why exactly this, this is why these specific motor things, motor learning, motor skills, are so deeply connected to autism, um, but like he, he had to learn how to turn his head instead of his whole body to look around. Yeah, um,
1: I I still struggle <laughs> with that. Uh, my yeah. yeah. So um, I was to see you, I sit on my bed. I don't have like mm-hmm. a desk or anything. Well, I do have a desk, but I built it. It's on my bed.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: For a few years, about two and a half years, I slept under my bed. Now, my bed is raised. It's about three feet off the ground because I'm in quite a small room. Uh, So it was to give me extra space. I slept under my bed because it felt more comfortable than sleeping on top of my bed. And
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I used to hang blankets from like the back end of my bed and the side of my bed and make it like a little fort sort of a thing, yes,
0: yes, oh my gosh, he totally did that too. that's it that's so interesting, but my... it was it was that enclosed feeling that he was craving, and um, we did get him a weighted blanket, and that made a big difference too. He really liked he really liked that.
1: my um... dad used to never understand that my dad. Mm. My mom is very much a case of the idealistic person for a person with my set of autism. Autism is different for everyone from... Absolutely. How you grow up in an environment to just how you're born with it. And that also ranges with special interests. Because my special interests, I'll... My mom often says that I'm biologically my stepfathers because he came into my life at a very um, important age. She came into my life when I was sure. about 12 and I was kind of really starting to show interest and stuff and whatnot. And we, yeah. even today, we will just sit down and start debating a certain topic, whether it's politics or video games or... I didn't, like, just sit there, no hard feelings, no nothing, just talk for hours on end, and uh, one of the things we were talking about was the difference between anime and manga, because when he was growing up, manga was a studio, so they called a lot of anime manga. We went on for about three hours with that, and my mom kind of just turned to us and go, well, the two of you shut the fuck up. <laughs> Um, and growing up, my dad didn't allow me to do stuff like that. If I went on a rant, or went on, like, an info dump, my dad would just tell me to be quiet. Or yeah. if I wanted to go be on my own, it meant something was wrong. Yeah. So I'd have to be with people, and especially... New environments in which I'm not used to the people around me, yeah is really stressful for me, and yeah. he used to just make me do it. He'd force me to do it and that oh, that,
0: that I'm like having this number one this is so familiar. And it's making me angry on your behalf. because Yeah. yeah, We had to deal with he was in like, you know, like a daycare kind of setting for part of after school because I was working and I used to get so many phone calls from them and and they would do things like suspend him because he wasn't participating in these. and Yeah, yeah, I'm mad just thinking about it. Um, And I told them over and over and over again, you know, it's like he's not he's not a joiner. He's never going to be a joiner stop putting this pressure on him this is so unfair and it's like and and he had learned you know because we had taught him you know when when you're getting overwhelmed remove yourself from the situation and he was trying he was trying to remove himself and then I still got a phone call and it's like Uh, he's doing exactly the right thing so he doesn't melt down and you're punishing him for it. And oh, I would. Oh, okay. Mm. I'm gonna take a moment to not throw a fit. Um, <laughs> but like what you're what you're talking about though too. Also, uh, the relationship with uh, you and uh, you said what's your it was your dad.
1: My dad is the one who used to be very bad with it, and my stepfather is the one who has good with Your
0: stepfather. It it reminds me very much of the relationship between my kiddo and my dad. Um, they are very similar, and um, it's like a perpetual motion machine. If you put the two of them in the yeah, room. <laughs> and it's like, and I mean, I I'm so happy that that he has someone who can listen to him in that way because as much as i want to it's very exhausting
1: oh yeah <laughs> I, love,
0: I love him so much but it is so exhausting and and but it's also very exhausting to talk to my father and and there are times and you know he's never been diagnosed he's 70 years old but i i have some suspicions there and sure. <laughs> um you know he'll he'll start talking my dad will start talking about one of his special interests and I'll just kind of have to put the phone on speaker and just, you know, listen while I'm doing something else. <laughs> which, my, is, which is fine. I love my dad.
1: My mom
0: learned
1: a trick that my stepfather encompasses sometimes as well. And I know they're doing it, but it doesn't make me feel bad that they're doing it. Mm-hmm. My mom will kind of just nod and smile while she's scrolling through like she has games on her phone and whatnot where she's working <laughs> and i know she's not really listening like if i, I know if i go and ask her about it
0: called out right now
1: <laughs> but it's like i know that she's allowing me to do it to get it out of my system because if i didn't do it i would just perpetually go down that's why i love like youtube dark holds as they're called sure. which is like rabbit holes that just go on and on and on and on because yeah. Yeah. similar to how uh me and vic from uh here talk
0: uh-huh.
1: i we will literally me and vic have been sitting in another server we're in and multiple people have joined, muted themselves just to hear me and Vic ramble to each other. I love it. I love it. Because and me and Vic so will just keep you know, that, going that's off. It's so
0: wonderful that, that uh, you know, people do. And then that's something, you know, I want to say. And, and, you know, I'm not. I can't speak for your mom, obviously. I don't know your mom. But I can tell you that I, I do love listening to him talk. I do. Um. Yes, sometimes it, it, you know, when we're, when we're heading into the second hour or so, it, it can be a little, a little overwhelming, but I am interested. I do want to know his thoughts. Um, they are often very clever thoughts. Um, he has a lot of insight into things that I would not find or I would miss. I learn a lot from him. Um so even when i'm scrolling and i look like i'm not paying attention to what i'm saying i am i am listening
1: Uh, a way someone (laughs) described it to me was your brain is knowingly filtering out non-adjacent words so it's like while you're scrolling or something the main part of your brain is focused on scrolling and then it's similar to um in school they used to tell us if we're studying chew gum because your brain's focusing on chewing but it's mapping the flavor profile to the study profile Mm. so your brain is mapping certain certain words certain things you hear and usually it's keywords and that goes back to how people with autism speak because we will identify keywords through a vocal pattern um, that subconsciously people pick up on, yeah. which is interesting um, when I've done deep dives into learning about that. Um, and that makes
0: a lot of sense and it kind of, it makes sense. So so I don't have autism, but I do have ADHD. And we were actually just talking about this during a stream last night. I can't remember if you were still there or not. And we were talking about um, how when I'm watching a movie or watching TV, i always have like my phone open or something and it's i'm doing the same thing that i do if i'm listening to him which is i'm paying attention to the movie or the or the show or whatever you know i don't watch a lot but when i do but i'm also kind of i don't know engaging that other part of my brain that would go stir crazy if i wasn't
1: one of the things oh. <laughs> i get told all the time and this especially with stream i had someone come into me when i was playing hades one time and yeah. it was pretty like dull stream because i don't stream a lot so i don't get a lot of people came in it. It became, and it's like why are you playing music are you not interacting with people and whatnot and i was like oh i will hyper focus for like 30 minutes and zone out so the music is there to help me keep focus and not ignore stream chat.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And having that thing, like, i done that all the time. I still do that with my phone and whatnot. And sometimes I feel bad, um, having like a long distance relationship like I do. There's not much in the way that we can do for like date nights and whatnot. So often we'll sure. watch movies. Um, mm-hmm. most of the movies I'll be sitting on my phone. And I'll miss tiny details that my partner picks up on. Um, my partner will ask me about them, and I kind of have to do a rewind process in my brain and try and go, wait, where was that in the movie? Did I actually see that or was I missing it? <laughs> that <And sounds> <laughs> they know about my conditions and whatnot, but it has very much been a learning experience for them.
0: Which I'm
1: happy to teach about, you know.
0: To be fair, that's kind of any relationship.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Kind of understanding the other person's quirks and getting to know them and, and, you know, figuring them out. (laughs) One of
1: the prime things that they didn't really account for is they love My Hero Academia. (laughs) I have quite literally only started the show not too long ago. Yeah. I info dumped about a bunch of things and they just kind of gave me a blank stare and went, okay, then <laughs> <laughs> like they've been reading the manga and watching the show constantly yeah. for months. And I'm just sitting there info dumping on them and saying how I picked up on like this small characteristic of this one frame in this one episode.
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I see. I got to get you talking to, uh, my youngest because who? my hero academia oh we've had oh do i hear about that
1: <laughs> there's, there's a reason anime chat exists in the discord people. there is
0: there is, there is.
1: <laughs> it was y'all, y'all
0: took over the general and i was like let's just move that to its own okay you clearly you clearly all need that i'm very i'm glad i came up with that it's definitely been a good uh yeah. Lots of good stuff. It's like I, I don't really know a lot about it, but I scroll through it periodically just to kind of.
1: I do that. I'm, just out not, curiosity,
0: you know?
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm not a big anime fan. I have certain comfort shows, which is where I was kind of looping this around to with like yeah. comfort items. Yeah. And yeah. one of the things that I like is Josh has a comfort item in game. Oh, I love only, that. Not only does he have an outfit that he's always in. Like sometimes other uh-huh. characters can slightly change their outfits. Like Satara often wears sweaters that can change in different scenes and whatnot. Josh is always seen in a green hoodie, his black or like dark blue top, his gray yeah. bottoms, his black and white sneakers, and a key. There is a key yeah, around can get his the neck. Yeah. I'm looking at a
0: picture right now on the wiki there. Yeah.
1: That key no one knows what it opens. But in Mm. certain frames in the game, he's seen grabbing it. And one of the frames that he's seen grabbing it in is Horatio's death when they're going to his funeral. Mm. And whereas other characters process it, like Wrench processes it by breaking a lot of things and getting annoyed. And Satara says she's going off to focus on her art. Josh hacked into the people who killed Horatio and deposited all their bank account money into Horatio's family's account as a way of getting, like, payback in, like, a black and white setting. Right. And Josh never leaves the hackerspace unless it's needed. You know, like, uh, Wrench has a garage and Satara's seen running along the rooftops and whatnot. And the final sequence of the game has you play as every character besides Josh. He stays at home in the cave mm. to coordinate everything because that is his safe space. Yes. and That
0: makes so much sense, yeah.
1: Even uh, there's a certain part in the um, game when Wrench gets taken. And Marcus, your character, goes after him. And Wrench is released, but they keep his mask. And Wrench's mask is his identity. It's something that he made. And it has, like, a spiked kind of area where the mouth is supposed to be. And glasses that emoticon in different ways. Um, Josh is the one who is most visibly angry besides Marcus. Satara's so mm. making sure Wrench is okay, and Horatio and Marcus are making sure Wrench is okay. I believe Horatio's alive at that point. I've done the missions kind of out of order because I know when Horatio is going to die, so I was like, <laughs> I'm avoiding that at all yes. costs.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but... uh. Josh is the one who's no, we're getting that back and you want to know what I'm hacking their servers They're not going to see a shred of this info And seeing that he has Comfort in certain items and attachment to certain items You've um, probably seen on some of the lore cast videos I collect teddy bears. They're my comfort. I kind of have a space in my brain. It's one of my uh, mood swings where I do go into an age regress space, into the childlike space. And they help me. They're like a comfort thing. Mm-hmm. And when I'm in other things, Gaming is my comfort. Yeah. I've come home from school when I used to go and didn't do homework. Didn't dive onto that or anything. First thing I was was open on the video games because that was my comfort. I um I was on the phone to my partner while I was out today, uh, which is rare for me to go out. But I was describing overstimulation to them Mm -hmm. and one of the things that I've noticed in the past while about how I process things is I see the world like it's a video game
0: interesting
1: I, I struggle seeing past a certain point or if I do see like in a straight line past a certain point my peripherals are very much like how a video game is mapped, you know, the way you can kind of see when an object is a 2D object, and then when you turn your head, it turns to a 3D object. Mm-hmm. That's how mm-hmm. I process a lot of stuff visually. But even, there's a term in parkour called lines, and it's where your okay. brain visually lines up a route in which you can run a parkour segment. Sure. I'm yeah. doing that for everything. I see patterns in everything, I look at shop buildings and I see oh I could build that in Fallout by using these materials here or using this here and stuff like that and video games has taken a massive toll in my life by doing that and allowing me to do stuff like that and it has helped me process certain life-changing events, I've been told.
0: That makes uh, a lot of sense.
1: And... believe
0: me, that makes a lot of
1: sense. <laughs> try to explain pe- to people who have never been around autism or anything like that, that is extremely difficult for them to understand when I say I see life like a video game. Because they're thinking, oh, it's like health bars and everything like that. No, I quite literally see everything as if it was on like a 2D plane and I can map out routes. I can say with pretty much accuracy of the forest in my town, mm-hmm. every pathway in it from memory, I could tell you where to go. How many, like, how often it should take you to get there, what turns, everything. Because it's mapped inside my head. Same with, like, my town. I could tell you every shop going down my town, where they are on either side of the main street, who owns the shop or who works in the shop, and what they sell or what they give. Or even in local, like uh, we have a local supermarket, uh, they change their things a lot. They have like middle aisles that they swap out for different things. Like some weeks it's baby stuff, some weeks it's art stuff, you know, like it's kind of um, stuff other to buy them food, you know, kind of like use half Walmart. It's like a smaller condensed form of it. I can tell you, based on what time of year it is, what is in there. From just going at certain times and mapping it, and remembering it. But if you yeah. ask me to remember someone's name or put a name to a face, I'm terrible at that. Or, uh one of the things that has kind of helped me is, I struggle with gender pronounification, so putting pronouns to people's names and whatnot or yeah. mispronouncing people because I mm-hmm. use names a lot, like internet names, like sure, yeah. to me you're fire, new numbers, mm-hmm. new, thick, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, now I've tried in recent times with a partner who is exploring their gender and whatnot to be a lot more cautious of that and actually try and use pronouns and whatnot but i've had people tell me they're like put enough trust in me to tell me their dead name and i honestly can't remember it because it didn't slot in my head as oh that's what you used to be called it oh no you're called this
0: yeah yeah
1: and yeah. that's one of the things in either uh, buddy of mine who's in our D group who's also autistic asperger's the same as mine mm-hmm. i've talked to him about this stuff and he sees the world in a completely different mind. like he didn't even think about seeing it that way or processing it that way and that's how it's so
0: interesting Yeah,
1: seeing josh's perspective through the game cause you don't ever get to play as him like The people in the group, Marcus, Satara, all love him unconditionally. Even, uh, there's a segment in it where they're using, like, a slang term of cornhole. And he genuinely doesn't understand it. He's like, what's a cornhole? (laughs) And then he's using it later on in the game in the complete wrong context, but he... (laughs) so excited (laughs) that he got it like he was like yeah Yeah. i used it and like they won't give him alcohol or anything they'll give him sodas or caffeine beverages um and that's genuinely like something that seeing that as representation for A condition that I have, but also a condition I know has affected many people in my life. And Mm -hmm. seeing how it not only affects Josh, but it affects Wrench. Because Wrench loves Josh, to the point where I'm pretty sure Wrench would take a baseball bat to someone's head if they said something about Josh. Yeah. Or stuff like that. It's great to see. You know, and it's not, it's not going on that bias of, oh, autism's a gift, or, oh, autism's a superpower. It's, autism is hard. He struggles with it every day, but he fucking makes it work. And he's proud. And I was... That is
0: some beautiful representation.
1: Yeah, and I was terrified for ages on the internet of people finding out about my autism, because I'd been bullied about it for years.
0: Sure,
1: But finding communities like this one, and like robots, and other communities, smaller communities I mean, that have formed from these groups, Mm
0: -hmm. is
1: great. And I've learned a lot of new things, and sure, soon I'm going to actually learn how to write a letter, even if I'm going to email it, but I'd have to also figure out how to do that, because I don't even know how to do that. Um. But having support of people who a lot don't share the conditions I have, but they're willing to open up to listen and to try and help. And that's genuinely something that is like, wow, this actually feels thing. Because I'd love Watch Dogs before I played the DLC. Um, yeah that Josh talked about, but once he talked about that, I remember I was texting Nunimer at the time, and I was like, whoa, Um, Watch Dogs is now my favorite. He's like, why? I'm like, oh, just actual autistic representation that actually is proper and accurate. And we got on a voice call soon after, and he was like, that's very good for a game that was, I think it was made in 2015
0: okay
1: and it's actually well versed and well managed for how it is like he's not shown to be a problem he's not shown to be Mm. you know and a lot of media as we were saying earlier portrays autistic people as either these super gifted superheroes with amazing things or demon children who have so many problems and need to be fixed and neither is correct yeah. my personal interests are technology in the online space but the downside to that is going out in public damages me whether i come back overstimulated or i get genuine anxiety and panic from it is quite hard to deal with. But in the online realm, I'm me, I'm behind a screen, behind a username, I'm confident as all hell, and that's very much given people the wrong impression of what I'm really like. It's a good impression, they see me as the best me I could be, but in the actual outside world, I am very shy and not very talkative or open about things and i've had people see me from one state to the other or how i am around one person and not another and it genuinely confuses them because they're like but before you were so confident and so outgoing i'm like yeah because I'm behind a screen My... Autism doesn't allow me to... Do simple things Even just walk up and ask someone for directions Or... Um... Ask someone where... Like... Do you know what time it is? Is so difficult for me And I'll just... Go without And I have um, What I call a go-bag Which is just a thing that I've developed over a few months and whatnot, not. Gone on about a year now. And it's just stuff that when I go out, if I go out without any of these things, it is a complete disaster. I feel like I'm missing them. It's just like a simple backpack, but it has notebooks, pens, I'll bring like fluids with me. I have my masks, which, I wore masks for about two years before current events happened. Because it was an easy way of kind of hiding my face and kind of giving me that false air of confidence, you know? Um, And having even a simple go-kit like that, really helped with walking outside the front door, which I struggled with for years, and I still do struggle with to a great deal. Um, and that's why I especially don't like when people who don't really know what autism is like, are like, oh, it's such a great thing, you must love having it and whatnot. Because some days I can be so bad that I can't even walk outside my bedroom door without feeling So overwhelmed from everything. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much for bringing this character and for talking so. Really? (sighs) Sorry. For talking so openly and honestly that that's. I I can't tell you how much I really appreciate this. I, I think a lot of people are going to really resonate with what you've had to say
1: thanks for having me
0: thank you if anybody um would you be open to people reaching out to you if they wanted to connect with you and talk with you more
1: uh publicly in the server yeah i'm a little uh panicky about dms because it's kind of like a level of social but yeah if someone wanted to voice chat in the server about it i'd be happy to share some of the experiences i've had
0: Wonderful. And my, um, the discord information's in the show notes. So people are welcome to come by and say hi. <laughs> well, thank you again. Thanks for listening to the Pixel People podcast. Check out the show notes for links to the game and characters discussed and to connect with me and my guest. Want to be a guest on the show? There's a link in the show notes for a short form you can fill out and I'll reach out to you. Our theme music was by Elias Ali and Andy Brooks. You can follow the show on Twitter at Pixel People Pod and keep up with Firewriter on Twitter, Twitch, and Discord. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next time!